0: Strange lovers, before we begin this Wes Anderson episode, I just want to put out a PSA that we've recorded some of these episodes almost a year ago. So if our information about the French Dispatch is wonky or there is something off about, you know, COVID shutdowns or something like that, just know that we recorded these in the past. I hope you enjoy these episodes and grow to respect and learn some more things about Wes Anderson because he is king, he is goaded, and we are so excited for the French Dispatch. And that is why we are doing this Wes Anderson series. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies, my name is Olivia Martinez and I'm actually here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez, for episode 7 of our Wes Anderson series. Today we're going to be discussing Moonrise Kingdom, which is probably the most Wes Anderson-y movie in his entire filmography, just because the aesthetics are on point, the acting is just so Wes Anderson, and I think that we all kind of have differing thoughts on this film. Right, Dad?
1: Yes, we have different thoughts.
0: Thank you for that beautiful commentary.
1: Thank you. I like to answer questions when I'm asked. So Moonrise Kingdom, a lot of familiar themes here, which we'll discuss in a few seconds. But uh, essentially, it's about these two young kids and first love and everything that comes with it with the usual Wes Anderson touch.
2: I think it probably reminded me more of Royal Tenenbaums than any other of his movies. I I think the fact that it kind of revolved around these somewhat eccentric families and children and, like you say, young love, where Royal Tenenbaums was obviously not really young kids. Still, I think it dealt with kind of... Immature
0: people. Yes,
2: yes, immature people and and love maybe that had stretched back to childhood.
0: Yeah, listen to episode three of our Wes Anderson series for our Royal Tenenbaum's take. I think that's all of our favorite Wes Anderson movie. Do we agree with that? Yes. yes. But this one is not my favorite Wes Anderson movie. I think that it's sweet, and I think that, again, it's beautiful direction and quirky writing. But something about some of the performances just seem kind of flat to me. And again, Mom, you can get into your whole style over substance thing, but I think this movie especially... There was just so much style and so much beauty on screen that personally, I can definitely look past some of the boring and flat characters, but some people can't.
2: I think it was an example of maybe Wes Anderson trying too hard to make a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, He had a lot of the... Same actors that he's used in other movies, but he also had a few big names like... Francis McDormand. Right. And Edward Norton. And... Bruce Willis.
0: Bruce Willis. James and Will- and he weren't. doesn't usually have them, no.
2: Right. And yes, and that made me almost wonder if he was making this movie in a particular way, almost to please this the star-studded cast
0: and that's a really good point i think that there's a lot of pressure on directors like that who just have this cult following and everyone just is obsessed with everything they do and i'm sure he does feel a lot of pressure and i think we'll get into the grand budapest hotel in a few episodes but i think that's the one where he balanced out his level of quirkiness and the characters a lot better and in this one yeah maybe it was too much of a wes anderson movie. I mean, that's a lot of pressure, having these like all these Oscar winners and Oscar nominees that he's not as used to, because in this movie, the Wilson brothers are not in it, who are kind of his best friends. Schwartzman is in it, luckily, right, Mom? Oh, yes. He's in it, luckily. But yeah, I just think he doesn't have his usual crew as much as in some of his other movies.
1: Pretty much since Royal Tannenbaums, every Wes Anderson movie has been described in that way, where just when you thought Wes Anderson couldn't make another Wes Anderson film, This is so Wes Anderson, even with the current one that it's been completed, but it's not out because of COVID. French Dispatch. French Dispatch. I remember seeing the first, not review, because they hadn't seen it, but the review of the trailer. Just when you thought he couldn't get more Wes Anderson, there you go. And it's the usual, you know, we've talked about it during the series, the shots of, you know, this this dependence on lists, this uh, centering of, of the frame, the image. Looks like a picture postcard.
2: The sweet little music. Yeah, the music. Good soundtrack, of yeah, course. Yeah, all yeah, West the Western The vibrant
1: movies. colors, the symmetry. But again, that list, you know, that's something that we talk about in the, uh, what's it called? The Darjeeling? I already forgot about it. But this idea of the inventory, like the little boy who's a scout is running away and he's making a list of all the things he needs. And that's so classic Wes Anderson where having a plan right and i think in so many of his movies that's what people do and and so one other theme too that came out i thought that i hadn't picked up on before was ordinary people doing extraordinary things right and you don't expect lightning to strike a clock tower and the police officer to be saving these two kids just like you don't expect edward norton who plays a a scout master, saving being brave and saving the life of his his Elder, Scoutmaster, whoever that guy was. And Harvey Cartel. Yeah, Harvey Cartel, which is pretty funny. But it's kind of interesting. In this world of almost contrived characters, there is some humanity there. And surprisingly, it's often heroic.
2: I do think the central point of the movie of these young people striking out on their own young kids who are maybe thought of as kind of weird and feel like they don't fit in, finding each other and falling in love and gaining independence. I think that's a really nice theme and Mm -hmm. really nice idea. I don't think that there was enough maybe explanation of the characters to make you really care that much about them. Yes. I think that was maybe the shortcoming.
0: Yeah, this movie follows the two kids, Sam and Susie, and... Mom, you mentioned again, I keep saying things that Mom mentioned, but she's just so good at picking up on things. But Susie, the girl in it, is very Margot Tenenbaum who is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. So Wes Anderson clearly has a type of woman he likes to focus on in his movies. And it's kind of the sullen girl who is, has a sweet nature, but just there's not much there when you first look at her. But yeah, it was kind of hard to relate to these kids. But I don't think you're supposed to. I don't think there are many people like them, really, and not many that are going to run away together like this.
2: I think you are supposed to sympathize with yeah, them, though. Of course, and though, you especially do. Especially the boy who's an orphan. Yeah. But yeah, they're hard to really care that much about. And I think that is really kind of classic Wes Anderson. (laughs) And I think if we can say his name, I wonder if we win a prize if we can say his full name 10 more times in this podcast. (laughs)
0: We probably will. But um,
2: anyway, but I think it is kind of typical of him, whereas his characters to me seem almost like cardboardy. I mean, they say, and I know that's the way they're directed to be real kind of stilted and stiff, but... That keeps you, I think, from really feeling much empathy for these kids who are in kind of a sad position.
0: And Wes Anderson, okay, that's one time I'm saying his name again. But Wes Anderson is so interesting because all of his movies, yeah, are about these quirky people who just kind of read The New Yorker. And, well, I mean, this movie is not as much as Royal bombs and some of those. But, you know, they're just not ordinary people. Yet yeah, Wes Anderson grew up in Houston, Texas, and I mean yeah, he went to private school and stuff, but he wasn't surrounded by these East Coast elite people. So I don't know where he gets this idea of them. Maybe it's from the culture he used to absorb when he was younger and he just portrays those kind of people in his movies. I don't know.
2: Although this movie doesn't really feature that kind of elite people. No, these not are just like, kind of, these are really kind of island people, kind of isolated. And um, that, so just from the beginning, you know, all of the people in this movie are going to be a little bit different than the ordinary. Yeah.
1: People will enjoy Wes Anderson films if they tune in to what's going on on the screen. Because in this case, kind of the theme is pretty much it's tough to be a kid. But you know what? It's also tough to be an adult because all the adults don't seem that centered at all. So this fantasy world that these kids seem to be living in and then the real world, you see what's going on in the real world and the the parents don't seem all that happy with each other and other things are happening as well. So it's kind of people trying to make sense in some ways that they're more pure. These kids of falling in love and running away together than anything you see the adults doing.
2: I agree. Yeah, you kind of see. These kids imagine themselves or kind of playing the role of adults as they see it, and yet all the adults in the film seem (laughs) really confused about their own roles in the world and even about their own love lives.
0: And speaking of, I should just name the cast real quick. Bruce Willis plays the police captain, Edward Norton is the scoutmaster, Bill Murray and Frances McDormand are a married couple who are the parents of Susie, who is the girl who runs away. And then Tilda Swinton is randomly in this movie as social services. And she plays kind of a funny role because social services is just so by the book. And they are just zoned in on catching Sam, the escaped scout, because he's an orphan. And they just want to put him in the orphanage. And she's just kind of this villainous character. And then Sam is played by Jared Gilman. Susie's played by Kara Hayward. I don't know much about them, but they're the just the young kids who played them. They did a good job. And then, of course... Jason Schwartzman plays Cousin Ben, who is just another scout leader, and then Harvey Keitel is the commander, kind of the scout commander.
2: And I think that's kind of the funniest part to me is the whole idea of how the Scoutmasters take everything so seriously. So serious. And they're
0: in those ridiculous little outfits. It's
2: like a little mini army for them. And it's uh, they're so over the top. It, oh, that's funny. And
0: then Bob Balaban is the narrator. And I think he's one of the funniest parts because typical Wes Anderson, he's just centered in all these shots narrating everything. And I think that that's the cool thing about this movie is you realize you're watching a movie. I mean, he's breaking the fourth wall for an eighth of the movie just narrating. The whole yeah, thing.
1: we've mentioned this on other episodes. Wes Anderson, there, I said it again, <laughs> in the Wes Anderson series. But this idea that he's very conscious of you watching—you're watching a film—and the narrator doesn't just narrate off-screen. He comes up and he says, "Hi, I'm the narrator," and, yes. and tells you what's going on. And actually predicts what's going to happen. You know, talking about this great storm of 1965, when this is when it's set. It's not so much foreshadowing; it's telling you exactly what's going to happen. And sure enough, at the end climax of the movie, that's when the storm is at, yep. its, uh, at its height. So kind of an interesting device that he's used in other films, but very effective here.
0: And at one point, I love when the narrator, he's narrating in kind of pitch black, and then you see him physically turn a light on so that you can see him in the frame. And it's just a cool little shot.
1: Yeah. And we mentioned Royal Tannenbaums a couple times. When I was watching this one, it seemed like those kids would grow up to be the young adults or the older adults in Royal Tannenbaums. You Maybe. Margo and and the other kids where they were just had their issues growing up, and you're kind of seeing them when they're fairly innocent and they're a little less so as they grow up. But I thought they were the same character. Pretty
2: yeah, much. I think so too.
0: But I think these kids honestly have less talent, not the actors. I'm saying the kids in the movie just are less talented because remember all those pretended bomb kids are like, Prodigies, and these kids are just ordinary kids, which is more relatable. Oh, you mean the
1: two stars? Yes. Yeah, I thought you meant the actual child actors. All of them were uh, amateurs, which is amazing, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of this is based, uh, big surprise, on Wes Anderson's uh, childhood, especially the part where he comes across the book, uh, Coping with a Very Troubled Child, that actually happened to him. And he's quoted as saying, I immediately knew who that troubled child was. (laughs)
0: It was him, right? He found it in
1: his dad's library when he was like eight years
0: old. Oh my gosh. Yeah, in the movie, Susie pulls that book out and then Sam laughs at her and she gets all offended. And I think Wes Anderson captions... Okay, there's Wes Anderson's name again. But he captures that youthful just anger really well because these kids, they get in fights and then they make up within 20 seconds because it's not that big of a deal. But just kids are so emotional. I mean, I'm still so emotional. On to the budget real fast. We know that Wes Anderson's movies aren't usually box office successes, but Moonrise Kingdom actually made $68 million, and it only cost $16 million. I think he's known for paying his actors to scale. Is that what it's called? At, at scale. At scale, maybe. Yeah. And so he doesn't pay them much, and the people just want to be in his movies, so they'll do whatever they can to be in them. So that's why his budgets tend to be so low. But this movie looked great. It didn't look like... I mean, $16 million is actually a lot of money, but compared to, I mean, Marvel I movies... Used the,
2: it seems like he used the budget well. And I think we've pretty much explained by all our previous comments, but we never really explained the plot. Basically, it's about a little boy who runs away from a sort of Boy Scoutish type troop and is joined by this girl that he has a crush on, and they go on an adventure, and the parents... And all the authorities go looking for them all over this island.
0: Yeah, and on to awards real fast. Oh my gosh, the Academy is ruthless. All they gave them was Best Original Screenplay nomination. That's it. This movie should have gotten cinematography and even direction. I don't understand how there are movies that look better than this one. I think that there's just kind of a bias against the quirkiness, which I don't blame them. I thought it
2: was nominated
0: for Best Picture. I'm surprised it wasn't. Mm, Me too, because it seems like the kind of movie the Academy would be okay with.
1: Fairly mainstream?
0: Yeah, fairly.
1: And in other episodes that we've uh, talked about, we always focus on the soundtrack with the popular songs and 60s, 70s, 80s, what have you. In this case, there was a lot of classical music, Benjamin Britten uh, primarily, and Hank Williams. There were a couple of Hank Williams songs that were... Kind of moved the plot along, but it wasn't the usual Wes Anderson soundtrack.
0: Wait, I just realized this movie's set in 1965, so it makes sense that he doesn't have all these 70s songs that he usually has. Because Ah. that would make absolutely no sense. Yeah. King of continuity. I think the very, very, very end of this movie is really cute when they named the little island they hung out with Moonrise Kingdom because I never understood why it was called that. And I think that was a cute little touch.
2: I like that also.
1: So Liv, what did you think? you know, being the age you are, and you kind of know the age we are, of the kids, could you identify them with them more? Because I almost think, like, if you're older, much older, like we are, you almost remember what you were like as a kid, but no.
0: Not for me, because I don't think anyone is actually like these kids. I Maybe back in the day they were, but now it's just different. The kids in this movie had no technology. They didn't have the things that we have today. They had a record player and books, It's just, it's a different time.
2: But see, that kind of goes to my main complaint about Wes Anderson movies is the character, the adult characters really aren't like anybody many of us know either. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all encountered some eccentric characters, but eccentric individuals, I guess I should say. But um, I don't know that the children are any more true to life or any more relatable than a lot of his adults are.
1: Hmm, interesting. Yeah, then it's really more about nostalgia, don't you think, of people who are adults now looking back on when they were younger and how things were.
2: Sort of a celebration of innocence.
0: Yeah, and on that note, I think that that concludes our Wes Anderson episode 7, Moonrise Kingdom, and our next episode, which will be episode 8, Mom and I's Favorite Number. It'll be The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is exciting because that's considered his best movie by a lot of critics. You'll see if we consider it his best film. And if you're curious about our thoughts on any other Wes Anderson movies, you can go back and listen. And mom, I forgot to keep count of how many times we said Wes Anderson. I'm sorry, but I'm sure it was more than 10. Yes.
2: More than fingers on both hands, for sure. Yeah,
0: they're just directors where you have to say their name a lot, like Scorsese, Tarantino. There's just no way around it. And Wes Anderson's one of those people. And that's a compliment to him. So anyway, thank you for listening to our Moonrise Kingdom episode. We'll see you next week for The Grand Budapest Hotel.
1: And hopefully we'll be reviewing The French Dispatch soon.
2: Yes.
0: Bye, guys.